Sunday morning, and I began a kind of a semi-series uh, at the uh, weekend of the picnic that I wasn't able to finish. And I talked about things that we do not believe here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I define everything. I define the words, the customs, the culture, the idioms, the metaphors. I go into a lot of definition. Things we do not believe Part two. Now, I've got a little mini message I'm going to give you before I get into this message. We do not believe in demons. Demons are self. I believe this is one of the greatest apostasies that's going on in the church today. People want to think there are spirits out there and it gets the attention off of themselves, and they don't have to repent. Now, I've been asked this recently. I was asked this in an in a email this morning. Uh, are you a judge? Absolutely. When the Bible says, my mother-in-law used to say, the Bible says, judge not. I said, it does not. She'd say, yes, it does. I said, no, it doesn't. She'd say, yes, it does somewhere. I'd say, where? Well, it's somewhere in the Bible. I would lean in toward her and I'd say, you think maybe it's Matthew 7 and 1? Then she knew that I knew something about it. Anytime you start a sentence with a verb, judge, not, this is Matthew 7 and 1, Judge not, there is an understood subject when you start with a verb. The understood subject is you judge not, lest you be judged. But with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and what measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you again. However you judge, are you supposed to judge? Absolutely but you're not to judge your opinion because the word judge is the word crino. Now, this is something most people don't understand. Crino means to decide not, not one thing, not guilty, but guilty or innocent. Guilt or innocent. So whenever you want to let somebody off the hook and say they are innocent and you can't judge them, then what you're doing is you're passing judgment on them that they're okay. And when you do that, you'll be judged with that kind of judgment. What does the Bible say about us judging? Look at John 7. Look at John 7. And this has to go with there's no such thing as demons. Until we learn that our problem is ourselves, is self, we're not going to live right. I haven't learned that until the last 15 years or so. I began to realize that I used to want to 
build up self and be somebody and be famous and that is nothing but a demon in you demon is the word demonion d-a-i-m-o-n-i-o-n it comes from the root dio dio means to distribute fortunes fortunes to self to self if you live in the world just for you you're living for the wrong thing I'm here to tell you as I got older I found out only thing I can live for is other people and if I'm going to be, live for others I'm going to have to bow to the will of God you cannot humble you cannot be humble to God and man at the same time you'll either be humble to God or you'll act like a pansy and walk around uh, kind of knock-kneed and pigeon-toed and kind of look humble and say I'm just humble no no that is humbling yourself to man you have you have to humble yourself under the hand of God and then he'll exalt you in due time now so demon means to distribute fortunes or to distribute fortunes to self that's the very same meaning as capitalism when you look up capitalism in the dictionary it'll say distribute fortunes to the individual companies and railroads etc has the same meaning as the very system that we live in now how do we judge I'm going to say this I said this to Ben last night it has to do with demons has to do with it look over here in John 7 it's really difficult to live in the truth because people think you're crazy and when you pass the right kind of judgment you say how do I judge correctly I'm going to show you here in a minute John 7 and 24 judge not according to the appearance opsis O-P-S-I-S is the word appearance opsis we get our word optical from that not according to what you see that's not the way you judge but judge righteous judgment how in the world are you going to do that? You have to put everything up against. Now, when I say things about people, judge is the word crino. Tell them God's judgment. How can you figure that out? Well, you got to know the people? No. Look at them, and if they have the fruit of the Spirit, you'll know that they belong to God if they have no fruit how can you tell there are certain verses I don't put them on the board up here uh, Matthew 7 13 14 and how about Acts 14 22 
Acts 14.22. How about these are going to be your looking glasses to look at the world through. Acts 14.22. And uh, how about James 4 and 3. And how about uh, Matthew? Oh, excuse me. Luke six twenty two and twenty six. Now these, I want these to be your glasses that you put on. Got these? Got a little hook on them. And you're going to have to look at the world through this, and this is how you can judge righteous judgment. The Bible says, uh, Acts 14.22, We must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. We must. If you're going to heaven, you have to look at somebody's life. Are they going through tribulation? And uh, over here in James 4, uh, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Enmity is the word ekthra. Ekthra means hostile. Anybody that can get along with the world, they're a star, they're a big company owner, they're big producers of some kind. And all the world likes them. Something wrong with their life. We must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Over here in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Straight is the gate. Well, let me put this up here. Luke 9, 23. That's, these are your eyeglasses you look at the world through. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Straight is the gate, is the gate, and narrow is the way. This is God's judgment. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Narrow way. Way is the word hodos. The Bible says there's two ways. There's a narrow way and a broad way that leads to destruction. And many are going into the broad way. Many. That word narrow is the word thalibo. It means you're being pressured, crowded on all sides and being pressed as you go into the kingdom. It's a form of the word thalipsis. One is the verb, the other is the noun. Thalipsis is the is the noun. Thalibo is the verb. Thalipsis is the common word tribulation every time you find it in the Bible. Tribulation is the same word Acts 14, 22. 
Luke 6, when you look at the world, you know what this will do? It'll make you look at yourself. You won't. You're going to quit looking up to people. You're going to stop looking at the outward appearance of people and say, are they going through tribulation? Are they suffering? And then all of a sudden you're going to turn to look in the mirror and say, am I suffering? You don't have to suffer as much as I suffer anymore than Timothy had to suffer as much as Paul suffered. Paul was beheaded and put to death at Rome. And when you're, when you're, when you're living in tribulation, you're going to have to die to the flesh. If you don't die to the flesh, then you don't believe God. And don't think because somebody is popular. I've got two real famous people in my mind. And they've been just on my mind because I don't take the People magazine, but somebody subscribed to that and sends it to me every week. And I look at it and I think, it's nothing but a self-magazine. All these superstars, all the women in it are beautiful. All the men look so handsome. It's like watching a soap opera. And I've been noticing that two of the most famous country stars are a young lady, I call her a girl, named Swift. Uh, she graduated from Hendersonville High School. Uh, what's her first name? Taylor. Taylor Swift. Graduated from Hendersonville High School. She is the highest paid entertainer in America this year. She's worth $360 million. She comes out on stage with dresses that are barely below her waist got a beautiful body, a beautiful face, and an unbelievable career. And boy, and I got one picture, and she's showing her dress. It's like here, and it's flashing and shiny. And does she look like she's going through tribulation? Does she look like she's taking her cross and dying daily? How do you know if somebody's got a cross? A cross is not being behind on your bills. A cross is not something that you can't get to where you want to get to. In the first century, you had to be a criminal or a slave to be, be on a cross, and you had to be condemned to it. You had to be condemned to a cross. And they would take you out and put you on a cross, and you'd die for your crimes against the state. It's a crime practically against the state to put down somebody that is famous, somebody's got a lot of money. Well, you just wish you had that. If you had that, there's... I'm going to say this and people can get mad at me. The only way Taylor Swift can love God is God will have to break her neck and make her quadriplegic. And that goes for Carrie Underwood. These are the two most famous. Carrie Underwood's only worth $85 million. Taylor's got her beat. 
$360 million, making more money than anybody in America. She's got homes on the ocean in New York, Nashville, out in California. Go online and look up her name. They are humongous homes. $15, 18000000 million. I don't care if she's raised in a Baptist church. That's where Carrie Underwood was raised, in a Baptist church. With that kind of money, if you are privileged to make money, I believe in sharing the money that we have with believers. Only if you're a believer. I will help somebody one time, and after that, not anymore, if you don't come and become a part of this ministry. Do these people look like, if any man will come after me, after Christ, after Christ, here's what you have to do. This is a have to. Not a... Just kind of put these people, put these eyeglasses on and take a look at the world. I don't care if it's a company owner, it's some big real estate mogul. I don't care who it is. If you make money and you make a lot of money, you come into it, you have an obligation as a believer to be a good steward over that money. Not to spend it on yourself. I don't buy expensive stuff. I drive a 20-year-old RAV4. That's what I drive. I got a 2004 pickup truck. Mary's got a little Mini Cooper. But we don't drive fancy cars. I don't believe in that. If somebody's in trouble, I'm going to help them to a degree. Only if they want to believe the truth. When the Bible says, if any man will come after me, this is what you have to do. This is the glasses you need to put on and look at people's lives and quit favoring people. When you favor people, you are respecting persons. Respect persons. People say, well, God didn't choose one person over another. That's respecting persons. It is not. Respect persons in the Greek is the word pros, apo, pros, apo, lepteo. That's the Greek word. When I teach these things to you, I'm talking about the original Greek text. Respect persons. Pros, apo, lepteo is a construction of pros, meaning toward. Oppo or ops, we get our word optical from that. I told you that a while ago. Optical and lambano. Lambano means to take hold of. Take hold of. This means to move toward what you see, the exterior, and take hold of that. If the person looks good, pretty, uh, handsome, they got a lot of money, they got position, and you're wanting a piece of the action, you're going to compromise and not tell them the truth. 
Young guys will say, well, I don't want to tell this girl the truth if I want a date with her. Well, tell her the truth because you're going to have to anyway. And then when you find out that she don't want the truth, then she'll be gone. And that's respecting persons. It comes from the word pros-o-pon, which is the word face or surface. God says, I do not look at the surface of a person. If you have anything, it came from God. If you're pretty or you're beautiful or you're rich, that came from God. The scripture says over there in in 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, What dost thou have, or who makes you to differ from another? What dost thou have that thou didst not receive from God? And if thou didst receive it from God, why do you take glory in this as though you didn't get it from God? You think these people, these superstars like Taylor, and like they giving God the glory? They're wallowing in, but that's just not Carrie Underwood and, and the Taylor girl. That is Loretta Lynn. That is Johnny Cash. That is everybody. And just to go on some TV show and say, I love God and I love Jesus. Well, let me ask you this. If you love Jesus, are you going through these things that's required? If any man will come after you, let him deny Himself. The word himself, now that puts us into this message this morning. Himself is the word E-A-U-T-O-U-N. You see the word auto? That is a form of A-U-T-O. That is our word auto and automobile is self-mobile. That's just a form of the word self. Let him deny himself. The word deny is the word op, A-R-N-E-O-M-A-I. It means to utterly, oppo means utterly, or neomai means to contradict. Utterly contradict self. You say, but Jim... I can't do the things that you do. I go out with shirts on every day that say, God does not love everybody. Uh, predestination's true. If you don't believe in predestination, uh, you're Antichrist. And i got scriptures to show you that. If you're going to believe God, you got to do what He says. People don't even... The Baptist church I was raised in didn't even believe in obedience. It says, you're saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, and works doesn't have anything to do with it. With Faith without works is dead being alone. That's not even talking about the faith by works. That's talking about it's not of you works you can do. One thing you have to do, you have to deny self. Utterly contradict. But the Bible says some men profess that they know God profess is the same word as confess this is Titus 1.16 Titus 1.16 they profess that they know God it's the same as the word confess 
homologeo, H-O-M-O-L-O-G-E-O. Homo means of the same logos. A homosexual is of the same sex. That's a Greek word. Homologeo means to be of the same word, of the same, or to agree with. It means to agree with. But the Bible says in Titus 1.16, just because you confess or profess you know God, that's not enough. In works, they deny Him. It's what you do, He that doeth truth cometh to the light. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. If you're not doing righteous, you don't belong to God, or if you do belong to God, He's going to have to whip you within an inch of your life. As God beat me, oh, He's nearly killed me over the years. He has caused me to bow to His will. And if you don't bow to His will, you're going to hell one day. If somewhere God doesn't work on you, if He's predestined you to conform to His image, you will bow to His will. I told Ben last night, <laughs> the older I get, the more I face the truth and the more I look it through these glasses. This is my glasses now. The Bible verses are my glasses and they stay on my eyes all the time. If thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Out of the abundance of heart the mouth speaks. If it's in your heart, it's written in your heart, you will speak it. You can't walk down the aisle and get saved by praying a sinner's prayer. That's not true. You got to be changed in a new, into a new creation. So, any man comes after me, he has to deny himself. By the way, the word deny, arneomai, arneomai is an imperative mood. If you belong to God, you will have to learn somewhere in your life to contradict self. And when you contradict self, you'll start living right for the Lord. If you don't live right for the Lord somewhere in your life, God's not dealing with you. I hope this will take a part place in your heart. I've had some of you say, I'm just not suffering much for the Lord. Everybody don't suffer the same. I've had some women come up to me and say, I'm just a housewife. Well, you can be a housewife, and if God is alive in your heart... Now, my wife talks to people all the time. That's proof that you belong to God when you love the truth. You can say, but I doubt my salvation. Well, everybody doubts that's a believer. Doubting is a sign of salvation. What, what makes you doubt is that outer man. When you're born again, you've got an inner man that's Christ. You've got an outer man that's self. Paul talks about in Romans 7. But the inner man insists that the outer man die. And you will come to a place of dying and denying yourself. So deny. That is a command. Imperative mood is a command. If you belong to God, He is commanding you to contradict yourself and to live godly and righteously before Him. Most preachers don't preach that, do they? And you will do that somewhere along the way in your life. You may not do a lot of it, but you'll do some of it. He says, deny self, take up your cross. And when you take up your cross, the Bible says you have to do that da daily.
You have to be condemned daily. You don't have to say a lot. You don't have to go into the Greek language and explain it to everybody. All you have to do is say something. Do you know that if you just want to talk about Genesis 1-1 to somebody, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, if they belong to God, they're going to want to talk more. All of God's people were chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before Him in love. We were predestined before the world began. We don't have to convince anybody of anything. If you belong to God, He'll get a hold of you somewhere along the way. You'll start cleaning your life up. I won't have to tell you that. That's something God will do to all of His people. So you have to take up your cross when you're condemned to it. What is a cross? A cross is a death. You mean I have to die? The word death is thanatos in the Greek. It means separation. It does not mean annihilation. When you tell somebody that Christmas is pagan or God does not love everybody and you tell them that once out in public, next time they see you, if they don't like it, they'll kind of make sure there'll be a death between you and them. They'll go, hey, it's good to see Jim, but I, I have to go now. And their eyes will cross whenever you're talking to them about the truth. That's the cross that you'll bear. And it will happen. But the difficult thing is, how do you take this cross? How do you have enough gumption, guts, to bear a cross? You've got to get these words in your heart. When they're in your heart, you get up every morning, you want to go tell them to somebody. Every time I get out in public, which is every day, I go to the bank and go to the post office and go by the grocery store and pick up some stuff for Mary. And I'm constantly looking for somebody to share this wonderful information. When you realize how wonderful it is, you want to share it, don't you? I do. You know what? To me, it's the best feeling in the world to talk to somebody and they interact with Mary them. talks to everybody. Everybody comes to our house. If it's a service person, somebody come to treat our lawn yesterday, she's out there talking to him and talking to him about the Bible and the truth and predestination. She don't want to let up on him. If we're out in public and I start to say something, she'll say, I'm talking, you just sit back there. <laughs> and so I just let her talk. And I'll, she'll be telling about the Bible and predestination and Christmas is pagan. That's proof that you belong to God because you got that in your heart and it's coming out your mouth. I'm glad my wife is that way. There's three things you have. To, that is also an imperative command. That means if you belong to God somewhere in, along the way, you're going to want to learn these things and you're going to deny self and you're going to let them crucify you publicly for that and they won't talk to you. And then the last thing, and this all has to do with demons. The last thing, the last thing, he says, follow me. You think that is a, a simple word? Follow me. Well, does that mean to go to church? No. Follow is the word oculatum. Theo, A-K-O-U. 
L-A-T-H-E-O. Boy, this, follow me is an imperative command. Imperative command. That word follow, akulatheo, means to, to be in the same way with what is the way that Christ is in it's the hodos that's the word hodos it's the tribulation the narrow tribulation way that's a command to every believer you have to somewhere be willing to be persecuted, hated, all that will have gotten in Christ Jesus, Second Timothy. You can put all these 312. Put on these glasses and examine the world and while you're at it, examine yourself. I know that at being 80 years old, you're not going to want to do a lot of the things that I do. You know why you're not prepared. Don't you have to prepare yourself to... You had to do a lot of preparation to play piano, didn't you? Didn't y'all piano players? You have to do a lot of preparation, a lot of practice. Ben lays floor and carpet. You've got to do that for years to get good at it. Stephen over here works in leather. You... You don't go in there and work in leather the first and second day. You have to know what you're doing, don't you? Well, if you know what you're doing, you're going to learn these words, learn the Bible, and you're going to learn that you have to take your cross and you have to be in the narrow way, and that is not a choice on the part of any believer. That's a command. It's the same... Who said that? John... In Luke 9, 24, 23, who said that? Jesus said it. He's the same God that said, let there be light, and there was light. It's the same kind of a command. What he's saying is this light has to be in you. He said, I'll put you through enough trial till you learn how to take a stand. But you don't have to be mean. I'm very simple when I take a stand out in public. I'll say the Lord this or God that or, well, this is what God wants. Now, if I'm in the, at the doctor and they're treating me for this uh, infection I've had, I say, well, this is the will of the Lord. This God wills everything. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. It's easy for me to quote those things because I quote them all the time. That's... <coughs> This is what you have to be here. Demons are self. Let me show you that. Let me show you that. Go over to Mark, the first chapter. Our problem is us. It's not some spirit outside of us. That's just not true. We don't believe in demons. I believe the problem in your life is you. I believe the problem in my life is me. The only reason we fight each other is because we want to take a stand about anybody that's getting in our way while we're trying to climb the ladder of success.
Isn't that it? Anybody that's in the way, we'll step on them. I got a book here. I've been reading it. I've skimmed through it and read a lot of excerpts from it. I decided to start reading it, Presidential Ambition, by Richard Schenkman. He'll tell you how all the presidents were ambitious. Ambitious, he said, they were ferociously ambitious. He said you had to be that to be a president. And they all lied. <laughs> all of them. It's, he was a historian, graduate of Harvard, and Vassar, and just a brilliant man. And he'll tell you the truth about American history. He says these presidents, several of them were drunks, alcoholics. When uh, one of the presidents back in the not Wilson, but uh, can't think of his name. Shows you how important he was. But Roosevelt's daughter, Alice, said he was at a slob and he was a drunk when he was in the White House. And there were several of them like that. Franklin Pierce was a drunk. They, they weren't wonderful, patriotic men. That's a great book to read. This will tell you just what men will do to get in position in the world. It's a great book just about sin. Mr. Shankman didn't say that, but that's what it is. It's about how ambition will cause men to sin. And it tell you the truth about all of them. He said the only reason Washington didn't do much deviousness he said he didn't have but 4 million people in the country and 13 states, and all he had in his army was 500 people. That's enough to man the police force today of Des Moines, Iowa. He said, that's it. So, and he said he'd stay away for two or three months at a time because they wouldn't nothing to do. But, he's, but one thing about Washington, he did steal 10,000 acres of Indian land because he was a surveyor and because he was allowed to do it. Made him the richest man in America during his day. I, I'm not patriotic. I don't believe in these guys. Any of them. Now, turn over here to Mark. I'm going to show you our problem is self. But you have to be hungry enough to study to learn these words. Mark, first chapter. All right. Now remember this word here. Deny. E-A-U-T-O-N. Word endings are changed depending on where it is. This is a form of auto or self. You have to deny self in order to get to heaven. Somewhere along the way. You're not going to heaven if you don't deny or contradict yourself. Now, Jesus is going into the temple and he runs into this man in verse 23. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Unclean spirit is the word akatharos. A-K-A-T-H-A-R-O-S. It is a form of the word katharos, K-A-T-H, 
A-R-O-S, which means clean. The alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet placed in front of a word negates that word. It means not clean, not pure. Spirit. Pneuma. Breath. Now notice what Jesus says to the man. Jesus doesn't say, Come out of him, thou foul spirit. Doesn't say that. He's got an unclean spirit and cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee? Now notice the difference between we, plural, and what Jesus says to him. What Jesus says, he says here, and what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him. This man said, we. He said, it's you. The word him is a you. T O it's the word self it is a form of a U T O N E A T U O N which is what we have to deny well let's see what Luke says let's look at Luke's account of the same man okay Luke 4 Luke the 4th chapter so, the unclean spirit was self, right? Unclean spirit equals self. Have we concluded that? Okay, now let's go over here to Luke 4. Luke, the fourth chapter. Verse 33, this is the same account. It's Luke's account instead of Mark's. Verse 33, And in the synagogue there was a man which had the spirit of an unclean devil. Now that word devil, you got two words for the word devil, diabolos. That means to trick somebody, lead them astray. And you have the word D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N, which means to distribute fortunes. So this man has the spirit of an unclean devil, and it's called an unclean demon. Daemonion is our word demon. If an unclean spirit equals self, and this is the same man in Luke 4, then the unclean demon equals self. Right? So the demon is self. Your problem is you. You have a hard time getting over you. 
I've had a most difficult time getting over me. I used to have this big, huge, super tenor voice. I could just knock the walls out of this building. And God had to make me sick through the years and give me bronchial asthma where I can't sing. I can't sing worth a flip, but I could knock you out when I was 30 years old. It's a super voice. I just love to go in where other tenor singers were and get a sustained D on the end of a song. Have come and say, what, what, what were you singing? What were you singing? Well, that was just a high D. That's a step above a C, a high C. And I did that. And I would bask in the pride of it. See, did you hear me? God says, I don't want you doing that. I'm going to have to make you sick for 25 years so you'll stop. And he stopped me. And God will put you through everything imaginable till he gets your attention. I was broke at 40 and started my life all over from scratch. Everything you see, the property I own, this ministry, has all come about since I was 40 years old. That was 40 years ago. I've never been this content and happy in my life serving God and living for Him and trying with all my heart to live righteously and godly and holy and telling other people that's the way you need to live and it's the only happy way to live because as long as you're seeking self, you will not be content. The Bible says, He that loveth silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. When goods are increased, they are increased that eat them. The more you get, the more you want. Isn't that true? You can't get enough. I just wonder about these young women that are super singers. After they get all those houses, and they got houses all over the place. That, that girl... Uh, Taylor Swift, she's got mansions all over America. Did you know that Paul Crouch, who was ahead of TBN at one time, had 36 homes across the world? He died and left it all. Everybody's going to die and leave it. Everybody becomes poor the day they die. They're as poor as you can get. That's a good title for a song, isn't it? Everybody becomes just poor as a church mouse the day they die. You don't have nothing the next day. It don't belong to you no more. All right. Now, where was I? I was talking about, oh, so I was going to talk to you about demons. What are they? How are demons cast out? All right, let's go over here to Matthew. Matthew 12. Without knowing the Greek text, and I will teach you how to look up the Greek words. You want to learn? Anybody can start learning I can sit down with you for 30 minutes and teach you how to look up the Greek words. All you have to have is a strong, exhaustive concordance. 
That's all you have to have. And it's got every word in the Bible mentioned alphabetically. But some of the words, there's about 12 different Greek words for the word ordained. So you got to look each one of them up to find out what it means. And when you look up the word, there'll be a number to the side of it. And if it's a New Testament word, you look it up in the back, in the Greek dictionary in the back, you look up that number. If it's a Hebrew, if it's a Hebrew word in the Old Testament, you look up the word in the Hebrew Testament or the Hebrew dictionary in the back. That's what you look up. Now, now let's look here. Where was I? Matthew 12. Here's how demons are cast out. Or self is cast out. Itself that has to be cast out. I'm not going to get far into the demon thing this morning. I got a whole bunch of notes. Now. In verse 28. Jesus was confronting the Pharisees. And said, the Pharisees said, you cast out devils by Beelzebub. And Jesus said, verse 28, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, who is it that cast out devils? Not you. If I cast out daemonion, self, by the Spirit of God. What is the Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit is truth. That's what it is. I cast out self. Cast out you. Now here's how you look at the world through these glasses. It's by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is truth. That's what the Bible says, John 14, 15, John 15, 26, John 16, 13, and 1 John 5 and 6 says it this way. 5 and 6 says, The Spirit is truth. So if you want to know how demons are cast out, you've got to define truth. Truth is the word aletheia. Aletheia is a construction of the word lanthano. I put this on the board a thousand times in the past year. You ought to know it by now if you've been coming here. Lanthano means to hide Conceal. Lie hid. When the alpha is placed in front of a word, it negates the word. Negate means to be negative to the word. Give an opposite meaning. So truth is a construction of the alpha privative. Alpha privative. The alpha privative and the word lanthano. 
So it means not to hide anything. Take the cover off. That's what I'm doing up here for you. I'm taking the cover off so you can see what the truth is. You take the cover off by defining deny, take, follow. By defining all these words. So, if I was taking the cover off, how does God do that? He's the one that has to do it. You can't take the cover off. You can't put the truth in your heart. Let's go over to Luke. The 11th chapter. Here is Luke's account of what they're saying here. Luke's account. And Luke 11... Verse 20. But if I, with the finger of God, this is Jesus talking. He's the one that with the finger of God cast out devils, ekbalo, Balo, we get the word ball. It means to throw. Ek means out. We get the word exit from that. Out. Outside. If I with the finger of God, I'm going to cast devils out of your life. And only he does that to his elect family. Then the kingdom of God, when demons are cast out, self is cast out, and kingdom of God is coming to us. If you don't know what the kingdom of God is, you're lost. Kingdom of God is a title for Israel. Israel is coming to us when he casts out self. But it's not something that happens all at once. It's a long, slow process in your life. And in mind, I'm more serious about God right now at 80 than I was at 40. I'm a lot more serious than I was at 55. I'm a lot more serious about God at 80 than I was at 70. I'm not that far from death. Don't come up and try to comfort me and say, well, Jim, you may live to be uh, 120. No, I won't. And I don't want to live to be 120. I don't want to live to be 95. That's 15 years away. Will I live to be 95? No. I've had heart surgery, two heart attacks, cancer, ingrown toenails, dishpan hands. (laughs) I've had everything you can think of and had it all removed. Cataract surgery. The greatest surgery I ever had was uh, my hemorrhoid surgery. Well, after I had that, I thought, man, the world is wonderful. I had hemorrhoids the size of two big eggs hanging out of me because I kept myself under stress and strain for 25 years. That'll give you hemorrhoids if nothing else will. Now, let's continue reading this. 
Where is the kingdom of God now? Well, the Bible says in Luke, the 17th chapter, the Pharisees said, are you going to restore the kingdom of God at this time? He said, the kingdom of God is in you. That's when Satan is cast out. Satan is occupying us. Satan is in the... Demons are us. It's us. Don't believe in demons. In the first century, the pagans, the pagan Romans, the pagan Greeks, they called all of their gods by the title of Deamonion. They called all of their gods demons. Who was that? Hercules, Perseus, Jupiter, Venus, Aphrodite. Those were all called demons. Paul said, oh, in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, I'll just flip there real quick. This is amazing. The Bible will tell you what demons are if you will learn to stop and pay attention to them. All right. 1 Corinthians, 10th chapter. I hope you're getting a hold of the fact you, you don't have to go out and preach to everybody every day like I do. The reason I do that, I've been studying Bible for 63 years. Had some bad years as well as good years. But over the last 30 years, God has so convicted my heart, I constantly look into the Word of God about everything I do. And I've had to be beat up by God during the last 30 years. I've never been this serious about the Lord as I have been these last 10 years. I'm looking forward to go be with the Lord. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm worn out. I'm tired of fighting the world. I refuse to fight anybody ever again. You looking for a fight? Go get it with somebody else. You won't get it from me. I'll tell you what the Bible says. You'll either listen or you won't. Now, here in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, you got to remember this is, this is Paul talking to, Paul got his words from God. This is the Holy Spirit. Everything Paul says, it's with the Holy Spirit's approval. And verse 20, but I say the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, talking about those, that pantheon of gods, pantheon is a temple for the gods at Greece. And all these gods, he says, they sacrifice to devils. That word devil is the word daemonion. God himself says through Paul that they sacrifice to demons because that's what they call their gods. And what we've done, and we've adopted that in the church, and it don't mean nothing. Now, all right, let's go back over here. If I were the finger of God, what does he do with his finger? He writes upon fleshy tables of our hearts. If God has written in your heart, you will deny self, you will take your cross and die daily and you'll be in the same narrow way with God somewhere in your life. 
You can't say, but that's your job, Jim. No, that's our job, mine and yours. Now, go back over here. We're still talking about devils being cast out. Demons, which is our desire for me. My desire for me is what a demon is. When a strong man armed keeps his palace, verse 21, chapter Luke 11, we're still talking about demons being cast out. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. And when a stronger, this is Christ coming in, and the strong man is self, or the demon of self, but when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he taketh from him all his armor. God's going to take everything that protects you if he's out to get you in his service. Your money, your things, your stuff. The main thing he'll take from you is your health. Or nothing will matter. Let me tell you what you think when you have an heart attack. You don't think nothing. You think this is the will of God. Because you know you can die. I've been on a gurney, wheeled over to the hospital. Married said, are you afraid? I said, no, this is God's will. And I wasn't worried about whether anybody locked the doors at the house. Or locked my car doors. I didn't care about car doors. I was having a heart attack. I can be dead in minutes. And a stronger than him overcomes him and all of his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. Now, let's put it this way. And you're in the hospital and all of your family is going to divide your spoils. And they're saying, well, who gets this if he dies? He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. When the unclean spirit, we've already decided who that is. That's a demon and that's self, isn't it? When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man and he walks in dry places. You can't walk in dry places and grow. You have to go where there is living water. Jesus told the woman at the well, I will give you living water and you will never thirst again. He walketh in dry places seeking rest and he can't find any rest because he's not drinking of the living water. You know what this is a picture of? This is a picture of the scapegoat. The scapegoat on the Day of Atonement, Leviticus the 16th chapter and Leviticus 16 the goat, they had two goats, one that they offered on the altar. It was a goat. The high priest would kill one of the goats on this altar. Here's the brazen sea. And they would wash before they went. And they would take this blood of this goat coming here. 
and sprinkled the Ark of the Covenant. The other goat, they would lay their hands upon the head of the goat and drive him into the wilderness where there was no water. Now, they don't really know what happened to the goat. Some would say they pushed him off a cliff and broke his neck or killed him out in the wilderness. But he wasn't allowed to come back into the camp. That's what this is saying. This is a picture of this. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept. Well, he finds none because he's not going to where there is water, living water, which is the Holy Spirit, which makes you grow, which makes you bold enough to stand before people. And he saith, I will return unto my home, which I came out of. This is self saying, I'm going to go back. What is this talking about? It's talking about if you don't grow in truth, if you're driven out and you don't grow and you have to, you're driven out and you don't grow, you're going to go back into your sin this is exactly what Hebrews, the sixth chapter, is talking about. When you, well, let's go over there and look at Hebrews, the sixth chapter. How much time do I have, Mike? I'm not even hardly getting in my. 27. 27. I got so many notes on casting out devils, I can't get to them all. Hebrews, this is what it's talking about. And this is what I have done, and most of you have done. And everybody wants to know, what is this about? I had a Church of Christ doctor of theology ask me, well, I said, you probably want to know about Hebrews, the sixth chapter. He said, how do you know that? I said, every Church of Christ wants to know about that. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of faith, therefore, is a conjunction that refers back to the previous chapter. He said that strong meat or stiff meat belongs to those who are full age, teleos, mature. But he said you're not mature because you haven't gone on to strong meat. That would be the truth of God's word. You haven't gone on to the depth of the Bible, that's what makes you strong. You can't get strong without learning the Scripture, without learning these Greek words. You say, Jim, it's so hard. How many of you here that come regular know most of the words I'm saying? They know them. Why do you know them? I'm repeating them over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I live with you. And she lives with me. She hears it constantly. I'm on the phone with somebody. I'm preaching to them on the phone, telling them these words, and they're writing them down somewhere long distance. All you have to do is listen, and it'll become like Mary had a little lamb's fleece was white as snow. It won't be hard, is it? Dave, it's not hard, is it? It's like falling off a log. If you want to learn how to stand up, come here. Stay with us. Don't go to a seminary. They don't teach you anything. Come here. We are a seminary.
I'll give you more information in one lesson than a seminary professor will give you in five years. One lesson. Spiro Zadiates wrote, he had this study Bible, and he used to be on radio, and he'd take one word and take him a week to give you the definition of the word. I'm going, Spiros, you don't believe these people are as smart as they are. I'll give it to you over and over till you learn it. I'll give you I'll give you a thousand words in a year. You know what it really is? What? True brainwashing. It's true brainwashing, yeah it is. It's the brainwashing of truth. You don't hear this in any other church, do you? Death to self, daily cross, self-denial. If you don't believe in self-denial and the daily cross, you're not going to heaven when you die. You're going to hell and it's hot there. Read the 16th chapter of Luke and it'll tell you. Therefore, leaving these basic principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, teleates, let us grow up and be mature. But you can't do that without strong meat from the previous chapter. you got to learn the Word of God. They don't teach you the Word of God in the Baptist churches, the Pentecostal churches. They get up there and spin a lot of fairy tales. They're not telling you what these words mean, the culture, the customs, the idioms, the metaphors. This is not, somebody said, I saw your library up there. I'm sorry, but this ain't my library. This is a few of the books. I got a library with several thousand books over there in my house, upstairs. And I get my information. I believe I've got the best library in America to research. It's taken me 50 years to build it, put it together. All right. Living the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on under perfection. Let's go on to maturity. Laying aside again the foundation of repentance. You don't need, you got to repent daily, but you don't need to be taught that every day. From dead works of faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, of eternal judgment and this will we do if God permits if God wants us to do this for it is impossible it doesn't say it's impossible to believe after you've fallen away it says it is impossible for those who were once enlightened photizo p-h-o we get the word photo from that p-h-o-t-i-z-o Photizo, you're enlightened. You've been told the truth. You understood the truth. If you are enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, which is the truth, the Holy Spirit, you were made partakers. You were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the world to come if you fall away. Don't mean if you get unsaved. You haven't grown in the truth. You had to have somebody to teach you and define the truth and tell you what the truth means. If they fall away, parapipto, P-A-R-A-P-I-P-I-P-T-O, apostatize. 
if they apostatize you if you're going along you're born again here born again and you don't have you don't grow no growth you go to some church where the preacher talks about getting saved and walking the aisle and accepting Christ and that's it he don't tell you what the words mean here's what will happen you fall away it's impossible to renew them again to repentance seeing they crucified to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame here's what happens it's impossible once you fall back into sin because you did not grow and you don't have any knowledge of the truth you don't have any knowledge and you fall away you go back into sin it's impossible when God deals with you to have brand new repentance renew you like you were back here because you have to live with that sin in your life with that crucifying Christ afresh vessels of wrath can't crucify Christ afresh only you and I can as believers because we don't grow you have to grow in knowledge to be a believer don't you and when you put these glasses on and you look at the world through those glasses you don't have to know somebody's personality or hear them say I accepted Christ when I was a little kid and now I'm out here making hundreds of millions of dollars in music business look at them how they dress how they perform on stage what they look like the words they say and every once in a while when a big superstar winds up his career and he dies uh, as far as hit records he always goes to TBN and claims Jesus doesn't he that's what uh, what's his name the guy that didn't run around Sue Dale Dion and the Belmonts he got up here and got saved until the rock and roll revival took out again and so did part of the fifth dimension what Billy Davis and Marilyn McCoo they run up here at TVN and when their hits ran out they oh we got saved and Bob Dylan of all people went up there and got saved <coughs> old Mr. Drughead they, they got that other Jesus just cause somebody says I want to give God the glory for it. Well, no, you're taking it. You're standing up there basking in the glory of self. You may not like what I'm saying. Self is the problem. That's the only problem we got. If you, how bad off would you be if you lived 150 years ago in America? If you lived back in 1850, all the wars that's going on, all you had was a plow and you had a little house with a dirt floor to live in. What would you be frustrated with then? They don't worry about having a new car. They didn't know what a car was. You understand what I'm saying? So he says, you crucified to yourself the Son of God afresh and you got to live with that sin and that crucifying Christ to flesh how many of you have done that besides me 
I have done it. And I'm not going to, by the grace of God, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to live for the Lord the longest day I live, and I'm going to die preaching to everybody I can. If you get around me and I offend you, I'm not sorry. You just need to live with it. Now let's go back over here to Luke, the 11th chapter. So what he's talking about is this same man in Hebrews that crucifies God to afresh. And then he says, when he comes again to his house, he finds it all cleaned up. That's himself. He comes back to himself. And he starts living in his sin. Starts living in his sin. Then goeth he and taketh to himself seven other spirits. Seven is the number of completion. You're going to get completely depraved in your sin. But if you belong to God, he's going to bring you back to him. More wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first you'll be end up out here in your sin worse than you were when you first come to the knowledge of truth now did those people call their gods demons absolutely go over here to acts the 17th chapter I've got so much on this. I taught on demons that there's no such thing as demons for about two and a half years on Wednesday night. It's in the it's in the series Doctrines of Devils. I've got about two and a half years on Doctrines of Devils. I hit all of these points. Now look over here in Acts the 17th chapter Paul is on his second missionary journey Paul's missionary journeys wouldn't like a week or two Paul spent three years at Ephesus he spent three years at Ephesus and a year and a half a year and a half at he spent three years here at Ephesus, right here. And he spent a year and a half at Corinth over here. So his journeys were quite long. And he's on his second missionary journey. And he gets to, he comes to, He gets to Athens, which is right in here. This is Greece. Corinth is there. Athens is right up here. This is Macedonia. This is up there, that little hand right there. That's Philippi and Thessalonica. He's on his second journey, and he gets down here to Athens. Athens is corrupt. They worship every kind of God you can think of. And he goes out to Mars Hill. Mars Hill is outside of Athens where they keep statues of all their gods. 
Well, he goes out there and he runs into some Stoics. Stoics and some Epicureans. These are pagans. We've talked about Stoics and Epicureans before. They were heathens. They didn't believe in God. And he runs into them, and here's what happens. Here's what they say to him. In, well, I'm in the wrong chapter. 17th chapter. In verse 16, Paul is in Athens. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city completely wholly given to idolatry. Idols of every kind. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews. There was a synagogue there where they claimed to be worshiping Jehovah and that was evil. And with the devout persons in the market daily, with them that met with him, then certain philosophers and Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered Paul and they say something about Paul and some said what will this babbler say he's talking about Christ in his resurrection and others some said he seemed to be a setter forth of strange gods Strange is X-E-N-I-Z-O. Comes from the word stranger meaning occasional guest. They said this God Jehovah he's talking about is a strange demon. Demon. D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. That's the word in the Greek text. These Stoics... And Epicureans are saying, this man Paul is talking about a strange demon that we don't know about. That's proof in itself that they called their gods by the name of Daemonion, by demons. Now let's keep reading. Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. That's why he was a strange demon. That means their demons that they worshipped, Hercules and Venus, were not strange demons. They were the gods they offered their sacrifices to. And they took him and brought him to Oropagus, saying, May we know this new doctrine. They called worshipping Jehovah God and the resurrection a new doctrine because they had their own doctrine of their demons. Whereof thou speakest is... For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would ha know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear some new thing. They stood out there and philosophized to one another. Then Paul stood in the middle of Mars Hill where all of these God statues were and said, Ye men of Athens, 
I perceive in all things that you are too superstitious. That's a great word, superstitious. It's the word D-C, D-E-I-S-I, D-E-I-S-I, D-A-I-M-O-N-E-S-T-E-R-O-S. That's the word superstitious. It's a construction, if you notice, where the word daemonion is in there. It comes from two words, D-E-I-L-I-A, which means fear or, and also D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. That can be fear or timid. It means to have a fear of the gods. I'll tell you what this is like. People have a fear of the gods. They say, we like what Jim Brown teaches. He gives all this information. But we like Billy Graham too. That's like saying we like the devil and we like Jesus at the same time. Or we like the Baptist preacher down here and Jim Brown too. We're going to hold on to all of our preachers and all of our gods that talk about some sort of a Jesus just in case one of them is right. But that's not believing in God. When you believe Jesus, you can't believe in any of the gods. If you believe this truth, there is no other truth. And you can't go after any of it. How much time do you have, Mike? Seven. Seven. I'm hard, hard getting through this. For as I pass by, verse 23, and be held your devotions I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God and Paul said this is the one I want to tell you about the one that you don't know that's Jehovah God that was in Christ and he was resurrected whom therefore you ignorantly worship him I declare unto you so this is just to show you they call their gods demons. I've got all kinds of verification of this. I've got, here's a book. This is out of a book that I've got in my library. Dictionary of Deities, Demons, and the Bible. And this will tell you. This is a big, thick book written by these historians, by uh, Carl Vander Torn. These are sociologists that study classes of people during all centuries. And they're talking about them. The regional meaning of the word daemonion or daemon from the time of Homer onward was divinity. Divinity, what is a divinity? It is a God. How many gods are there? One God. It means that when you look up the word devil in a Strong's Concordance, it will say, it will say, to distribute fortunes, a deity, a god. It doesn't mean a real god, it meant a false god, Hercules and all those guys. And then he talks about, I got so many things to tell you. 
Did you know that Thomas Jefferson founded America on something called U-A-U-D-A-I-M-O-N-I-S-M. Eudemonism means a well god, a well demon. In the first century, demons were good and bad. But he founded America on good demons. Eudemonism means welfare. It's for the good of the people. I don't have time to read all this to you. He talks about DC Dominia, meaning reverence for divinity. They were afraid of their gods. That's why people want to keep all of their well let's keep all the preachers. You can't, you gotta eliminate the false teachers and the liars. If you don't define words, you're It talks about, they talk about how the Damones, D-A-I-M-O-N-E-S, D-A-I-M-O-N-E-S. Damones was the title they gave for the gods in the Pantheon. The Pantheon was the temple of the gods in Greece and in Rome. That's what a Pantheon, we got a Pantheon out here in, at the, uh, Centennial Park. That's exact. That's an exact replica of the Pantheon of the Gods in Greece. Out in Centennial Park. I'm running out of time. I'm not going to have time to get to all these things. I've got things to read to you. To have a demon. I'm going to go over this next week. Have a demon meant to be insane. It was the word D-A-I-M-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. -I -I. Demonizomai, when you look that up in McClinic and Strong, and I got a paper on it here, it meant to be insane. The man was insane in Luke 8, Mark 5, and in Matthew 8. The Bible says when he came to his right mind, when Jesus cast self out, he came to his sophroneal mind, his sane mind. The man didn't have demons. He said he had demons. Jesus walks up to the man and says, he didn't say, what is your name? He said, Tisoestinonoma. What fellowship represents its authority that you're, worship, that you're fellowshipping with? The guy said, Legion, I got uh, 3,000 demons in me. I want to know something. Where did this guy get his information that he had 3,000 demons? Did he sit there and count them? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Is that what he did? He got it from the culture he was living in, the society. They, If anybody had epilepsy or had some sickness, they'd call it a demon. If you just melancholy, they'd call it a demon. They called everything a demon in the first century. And this tells you right here, means to be insane. The paper that I read to you, I'll read it to you next week, Adam McClinic and Strong, when you look up possessed with devils, Damonizomai, it means to be insane or crazy. And when you look up the word insane, 
Insane, it will say crazy. It will say deranged. And when you look up deranged, it'll say the inability to think rational. America can't think rational. They never have. These presidents didn't think rational. All they thought about was their success in their career to have a legacy. That's all big rich people think of. That's all these superstars think of is my legacy and when am I going to have hit records again? We've had, we had uh, a guitar player used to play for uh, Jeff, what's his name, played for uh, Loretta Lynn. No. Uh, well, who was it? Tanya Tucker. Oh, Tanya Tucker. I said, why Tanya's still trying to have hit records? And I said, she's an overweight old woman now. Why do they want to get her when they can get these young, pretty g girls that's come into this? They, they dream about having hits again. And when it's over, you're going to live and then you're going to die one day. And what it, the only thing that's going to matter, at the very most, I've got 10 years to live. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I don't believe I'll live past 90. The most important thing to me is to live every minute of my life for the Lord. The rest of my life. And maybe I preach too much to you when you're around. I told Ben that last night. He lives across the street and he comes over and I said, I'm not sorry for preaching at you. I don't have much time left. I want to teach everybody I can the truth. That's why I tell all my doctors the truth. I tell the nurses the truth. I give it. I just, I just talk to them. One of my favorite things to ask them is, did you know, hey doc, can I ask you a question? They'll say, yeah. I said, do you know it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America? And every one of them will say every time, I never knew that. I never heard that. I say, well, it was. If you don't know about it, I'll tell you about it. I'm out of time. I'm going to come back and continue on. We don't believe in demons. There's so much in the Bible about this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. God help us. Lord, I pray you'll cut into the hearts of the people that are here. If they belong to you, you will convict them to live in truth. I'm not praying for it. I just bow to that will, whatever you want. Deal with our hearts. Fight our battles, every battle we have, Lord. We don't fight no more. Thank you for your word. And we'll give you praise for everything that happens in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay. I love you, brother.
Uh, what's your name? Wendy McKenzie. My niece, I brought my niece up. Uh -huh. I brought my niece up to speak with you. She spoke to you on the phone the other day. Um, do you have time to do that? I got time to talk to y'all for a minute. Okay. She went to the restroom. Okay. Let me get my stuff. Hey, Papa Bear. What are you doing? Good. How you doing? What's going on? Anything? I just got back in town. Um, yeah, I saw your mom at the grocery store. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was coming out, and she's coming out, and we run into each other. I just said hey to her. How's your bro doing? Good, living the married life. Just got married like, two, three months ago. So. Does she like any truth? or? Um, she's been here before. Has she? Um, I, I, I try to wrestle with it sometimes with her because I want to know how he, because you were talking about today about when girls, you're going to have to tell them the truth anyway. You're going to tell them. <laughs> you either tell them or you won't. Yeah, so I want to know how he wrestles, especially when uh, Xmas comes around. So yeah. that's what I want to know what, what they're talking about. But, uh, I don't know if you have series on it, but something you said today was so good. It was, okay. um, Doubting is a sign of your salvation. Yeah, I got several messages, got on, messages that. on that. That's, that's a really what is a sign of salvation? The only thing that makes you doubt is that outer man wonders why you would save the inner man. Because I've asked you that before, and I was like, I, I wrestle with it. I can never say I'm going to hell. Hey, Dwayne. I, I love you. I love We're going to go on vacation for two we weeks. I love you too, brother. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so we'll be checking on you. <laughs> okay. Got so much CDs. Okay. Yeah. Family, uh, uh, Connie's family and stuff. And uh, I'll get in trouble. But hey, Rusty. I'll let you go. Let me get love Rusty you. something. I love you too. I'm hanging on. I have been sick lately. I had a, an infection in my uh, urinary tract, and that kept me out for two and a half weeks. I, I think, well, it was, yeah. It was hurt me across I had, here. I had, one, I had one one time. It was really bad. I didn't know what it was at first. I just didn't know. I hope people get a hold of this, you know. I felt like I was urinating acid. Yeah. Burning so bad. Let me see how to few. Hey. Oh, I'm doing better. Well, good, good. Doing better. I want to ask you, what do you think of Jonathan Kahn? I wrote his book. Who? Jonathan Kahn. He's a Messianic Jew. I don't usually go along with them. Do you know who I'm talking about, Jonathan Kahn? I've got K-A-H-N. C-A-H-N. Well, they used to spell it K-A-H-N. means... It would. It means priest. Well, he's, um, he wrote the paradigm, and it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. Everything in the Old Testament was shadows. Yeah. And the things now, the things, you know, the true things, and it's about Clinton and and Trump and all this that's been going down. Well, all these presidents have been liars. All of them. They, they, none of them are good. Well, it's tying in with Ahab. 
and Jezebel uh -huh. and all that. It's exactly happening what happened back then. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, when I finish the book, I'll let you read it. If you want to read it, do you want to read it? Yeah, read it? yeah, yeah, I'll try. I wouldn't mind reading it. Well, it's good to see y'all. Hey. Hey, how you doing? I hope that'll convict everybody's hearts to take a look in the mirror. Judy. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Okay. I hope this convicts everybody's heart. Convicted me. Examine themselves. Good message, Jim. Well, hope we can get a hold of it. Hey, Jim. Good to hey, see Steve. you. Good to see you too, man. Do you happen to recall, I was watching your hair series about the Nazarites, and you mentioned a book, Wines of the Bible. What is it? Wines. Oh, yeah, that's... Do you know what that is? I've got that at home in my library. I'll send, I'll send somebody an email if I'd like to know where... Okay, okay, it's really a good book. It tells you, it tells you how that to get an elixir that was drunk, and they had to... They had to have so much sugar, so much yeast, and so much had to had to be aged at lukewarm temperature. Yes. That's what he was telling the church at Laodicea, you're lukewarm. I'll vomit you out because you got this mixture. It's a mixed religion going on today in the churches. It's nobody knows what anything means. But like I said, you need to put on these glasses and look through them at the world and you won't have to God will judge the world when you look through those glasses I don't see how in the world that girl uh, Taylor Swift can go to heaven she is so rich it's unbelievable she's beautiful got a beautiful body beautiful face and she has got houses everywhere and she's so rich and she Warn to you that are rich, when all men speak well of you, the whole world is talking. To you. The whole world's talking. And I don't. I don't see how they can go to heaven. I used to want to do the same thing. I know. Yeah. Yeah.